You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston. The Museum of Fine Arts, Houston is proud to present Beauty and Ritual, Judaica from the Jewish Museum, New York. An exquisite exhibition exploring the artistic, ritualistic, and cultural significance of Jewish ceremonial objects. Beauty and Ritual is just a taste of what's to come, as the MFAH will open the Albert and Ethel Hurstein Gallery for Judaica in early 2023. Gary Tintero, director of the MFAH, told the Jewish Herald Voice, I was raised in a Jewish household, so this initiative makes me happy and proud. It's a privilege to bring beautiful and rare works of art to Houston audiences. General admission tickets are available at mfah.org slash tickets. Welcome back, everybody, to the Musser Masterclass. It is so awesome to have our live audience. We have our online audience. Tonight's topic is a very important topic, particularly because of the three weeks that we are currently observing. The three weeks, they're known as the three weeks, called Bein HaMitzarim. Between the tragedies, what is the tragedies? What are these tragedies? The first tragedy was the fast that we just fasted on Sunday, yesterday. It was a fast day. And we fasted because the walls of Jerusalem were breached. What happened three weeks later? The fast of Tisha B'Av, which is also going to be on a Sunday. And that was because of the destruction of not only the first temple, but the second temple. And this three-week period has been, for millennia, a time of terrible tragedy for the Jewish people. Our sages tell us, do you want to know why the temple was destroyed? Because people didn't treat each other with proper dignity, with proper respect. And therefore, we are held to a higher standard during this time of the year that we need to be even more careful than ever before. So I thought it would be terrifically apropos for us to talk about judging people favorably because we're always judging and the question is whether or not we're going to put on the rose-colored lens or we're going to put the dark-colored lens where everyone is doing the wrong thing and they're all bad and they're all evil or perhaps they had good intentions perhaps there's a different side to the story so the torah tells us in leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. You should love your fellow as yourself. You love your fellow as yourself. We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. We talked about love and that the way in which you need to love another person is, number one, is you need to love yourself. You don't love yourself, you can't love anybody. But we love ourselves. Naturally, we love ourselves. We protect ourselves. We protect what people say about us. We protect what people think about us. We protect, we're very conscientious about what is going on about us. But are we equally conscientious about what goes on about someone else? Do we equally care about how someone else's honor and dignity is being affected? That's the commandment of love your fellow as yourself. Every person needs to see how they would like to be treated and treat someone else exactly in the same way. Now, there are two Mishnahs that tell us to judge someone favorably. 
The first Mishnah is in Ethics of Our Fathers, Chapter 2, Mishnah 4, which says, Al tadin et Don't judge your friend till you are standing in his place. Interestingly, just as a side note, it says, it starts off with, Don't judge. Don't judge. Until you're standing in his place. So let me ask you an honest question. Has anybody here ever stood in someone else's place? Exactly in their place, knowing their background, knowing their history, knowing their, their everything. No, we haven't. Knowing exactly what someone else has been experiencing till that point and from that point, And no, we're all unique. So in a sense, it might be telling us, don't even start trying to judge someone ever because you're never going to be standing in their place. It's never going to happen that you're going to be standing in their place. But then there's another Mishnah. And the Mishnah is in chapter 1 of Ethics of Our Fathers, Mishnah 6. And it states the following, very different terminology. The first one was, don't judge your fellow till you're standing in his place. This one says, judge every person favorably. Judge every person favorably. Why? Because this Mishnah is telling us, we know that you're judging anyway. And if you're already judging others, judge them favorably. So how do you, how do you go about doing that? How do you go about and judge someone favorably? So if you look at the Mishnah, the Mishnah doesn't leave you clueless. The Mishnah, if you look carefully, will always give you the answer. And here is what it says in the Mishnah. Hevidan es kol ha'adam lekav zechut. Not judge every person favorably, but rather judge the whole person favorably. Meaning that you need to judge not only this action, but the entire person. Many times we take an isolated incident, an isolated action, and we judge the whole person based on that isolated action. Mishnah says you're doing it wrong. If you want to judge someone, don't judge the action, judge the whole person. And we see that if you judge the whole person, you'll always see that the person is meritorious. You'll always see that the person is actually a good person. And this, even if this action was wrong, it was an isolated incident. It was a one-time situation where they did such a thing. I remember, I have brought this example in the past a long time ago, but it bothered me for a long time. And so I want to share it because I think in, in me repeating my mistakes and repeating my sins, Hashem will forgive me. So here is the story. I was one morning, this is probably 14 years ago. Yeah, about 14 years ago, 15 years ago. I was at a, a small get-together of people, and someone made a comment about a certain institution, and I said something which I regretted immediately. It wasn't a nice comment. It wasn't a nice comment. It was unbecoming. It was unfitting. And I, I went home, and I, I was like sick to my stomach. I was so upset at myself. I was so... like. You're so you're so low, really. That's what you say. Who who do you think you are? You know, Ari Walby. You think you can just go out there and talk about people like that? You could talk about an institution like that. I was so upset at myself, and I was like, I was getting like nauseous. I, I wasn't feeling good about myself at all. 
Nobody said a word, by the way. Nobody said a word. It wasn't like someone yelled at me or screamed at me. It was like people took it. People respected what I said and people took it as, as a, a, a sound advice or whatever. I was so upset. About a half hour later, I get a phone call from someone who was there. And I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. I'm like, I'm like really not in the mood. I'm so upset at like, you know, how could I have done this? And he says to me, I know you're probably kicking yourself. I said, yes, very much so. He says, but I want to read to you what I learned in the laws of the Chafetz Chaim on Lashon Hara just this morning. It popped up in my email. This is one of those, like, an inspiration a day. He got that inspiration a day, and this is what it said. It said that you have to judge the whole person. And if someone does something which is out of character, you cannot judge that specific incident. You have to judge the whole person. And therefore, therefore, he said to me, this individual said to me, I knew that you didn't mean it. He says, because I know you, and I know that you're better than that, and that you would ne- you never intended to do that. You would never say that. And um, I'm so happy that I saw this halacha, I saw this law from the, from the Chafetz Chaim, and judged the entire person that I knew, and not this specific incident. And I went on to apologize to all the parties involved, and learned a lesson that I think was very important to learn, that you have to be careful with your words, and don't judge people till you're standing in their place, which will never happen. So then, what's the alternative to that? If you're trying to judge someone already, judge the whole person. Don't judge the action. Judge the entire person. So we are all judges. We judge from the minute we wake up to the minute we go to sleep. We're judging. We're making decisions of right and wrong, if this is good or bad. But On our own life, we need to be judging. We need to be judging on our own life. Am I heading in the right direction? And this is also something it says. Don't rush to judgment. Because many times, you could beat yourself up judging yourself negatively. And you're not judging the whole person. Look at how much you've accomplished. How many people are complaining that uh, I set a goal to run the Olympics and look at me, I'm I'm only running, uh, you know, this speed or... Look at where you've come. I, I've been wanting to lose all this weight and look at me. Look at where you've come. Look how much you've accomplished. But people keep on beating themselves up. So not judging other people negatively is also referring to yourself. Don't judge yourself negatively. Don't be so harsh. Look at how much you have accomplished. True, We have to train ourselves to better our judgment. We are all judges. And we have to learn to be a good judge. The way you judge others favorably the tractate in Shabbat, the Talmud in Shabbat tells us, Hashem will judge you favorably. If you judge others favorably, Hashem will judge you favorably. But even more so, our sages tell us something so amazing. The way in which you judge others, right? others will judge you. The way you judge others is the way you will judge you. Because our sages tell us that when a person passes on from this world, they're brought into this big theater. I'm just giving a theater as an example. It doesn't say that in the Talmud, don't worry. But it says, they'll, br- they'll bring you into something like a theater. And they're going to say, oh, you're, you arrived. We have a very important film to show you, and we want you to be the, the critic on this 
show. So you're watching the show now not realizing that this is the movie of your life. Not realizing that because it says that once a person passes on from this world, they don't recognize themselves. Yes, and they forget their name. And you forget your name, which is why in the end of the Amidah, before we say, and we take our three steps back, we add a little special verse, which has the first letter of our Hebrew name and the last letter of our Hebrew name in that verse. So if your name is like mine, you'll have the first letter of the verse with the letter Aleph and the last letter of the verse with the letter He, because my name starts with Aleph and ends with He. And our sages tell us this is a special remembrance so that when we stand in front of the heavenly courts, we'll remember our name. We'll remember who we are. And when there's everyone talking about this guy, this guy, who is this guy? I have no idea who he is. I never heard of this guy. I never saw it, right? You won't know that it's you. But if you put in that verse, hopefully you'll merit to, to remember that it was you. So now you're watching this film and you're like, uh-uh. Put him in the can. Put him in the can, right? But that's, you're not realizing. And they, then they say, thank you very much for your judgment. Now get in there. Right? Why? Why? Because if a person trains themselves in this world to judge favorably, then also in that world they'll judge favorably. If they judge negatively in this world, then perhaps, God forbid, they may judge their own life, their own actions negatively as well in the world to come, which could be very tragic and could be very painful for each and every one of us, which is why the Mishnah implores upon us Learn to judge favorably. Don't judge, but if you do, judge favorably. Another thing is to judge actions, not people. It's a very important thing in parenting. In parenting, don't ever say that your child is bad. Never. Your child is not bad. Your child is an angel. Your child is terrific. The action they may have done was perhaps a bad choice. But they are great kids. Every child. A parent should never say to the child that they're bad. So, along the same line, we shouldn't tell any human being that they are bad. We shouldn't judge a human being as being bad. But rather, their action was a poor choice. Their action was in poor taste. Now, we said about judging the whole person. If you're judging, judge the whole person. Not only part. Don't look at part of the picture. Got to see the whole picture. Don't be closed-minded. People today jump to conclusion. You read an article on the paper and they're like, oh, this person is evil. Pure evil. How many stories in the news are actually true? How many are accurate? I'll tell you how many are accurate. Ready? It'll surprise you the number. It's a very high number. Zero. Not a single article you will ever read in the newspaper is accurate. Not a single. I can test you. I can can do this with you if you want, David. Okay? Uh, Not a single article is accurate. There's always an agenda. There's always an angle. There's, There's something that they're trying to manipulate. I know this because I've been in it myself. We fed the news what we needed to get out there to save this this person's life. And it did, thank God. But the news sometimes are innocent bystanders reporting what they heard. 
And that's not even, even that is not accurate. It's what someone wanted you. Someone manipulated the system. And thousands more like that. There are news stories every single day. Um, just think about it like this. Okay? If someone wrote a story about you, and I'm sure people have said things about you in favor, in your favor, in your favor. People have said things. People have said, oh, I know this guy, David, such a fantastic guy. And they, they, they keep on talking about you. And then they get one fact wrong, right? And you're like, well, no, that's not accurate. That's not, I didn't grow up there. I grew up there. I, they, all the facts are wrong, right? You've had that. You've seen that. You, we've all experienced that. And that's someone who wants to say good about you. Imagine. And, and by the way, it's only bad news that sells. You know that, right? It's only frightening news that sells. It's the bad news that sells. It's the frightening news. It's the terrifying news. It's the COVID is killing everyone and we have to have those numbers, right? And again, COVID is something we take very seriously. People here sitting with masks. I had COVID just two weeks ago. I'm not laughing about it. I'm just saying that that they, they, they try to dramatize this more and more so that we continue to watch and we continue to to, to tune in. But it doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's printed doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's on television doesn't mean it's true. So there's an important Talmud. The Talmud in Tractate Shabbat says, What is hateful upon you, don't do unto someone else. Do you want to be judged unfavorably? No. So why would we judge someone else unfavorably? Did you see what they did? And we give all these rationalizations. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Look at, he was right in front of our eyes. We don't see the whole story. We don't see the whole story. I'll give you just a small example, but it's not a good example. But it, I think, can illustrate. It can illustrate how people don't necessarily see a full picture. Okay? As many of you know, I'm a first responder. And if there's a call for emergency, we drop everything we're doing and we run. If we're, if it's the middle of the night, we jump out of bed and we go try to save a life. So there are rules. If you're the first person on scene, the second person, imagine that someone reports that they see you as the first responder. They don't know that you were a first responder. They don't know that there was an emergency call. I saw him running into someone's house. They just ran into someone's house. It was in the middle of the night, right? So now so now you report that to someone and you say, I, I don't know what's wrong with the rabbi. I saw him running into people's houses in pitch black in the middle of the night, right? You think he's robbing them? Do you think? But people don't know the full story. They don't know. You left out the point, the part that he's a first responder. Oh, that changes the whole story. It's one piece of the picture that was missing. But everything you said was accurate. Except you left out one point, one point, an important piece of information. And that important piece of information is critical. So I can say, I promise you, I saw with my own eyes, it was in the middle of the night, and I saw him walking into someone else's house. I'm telling you, he's a thief. I'm ready to put my hand on a Torah and swear that I saw him do that. So it could be that it's true. It's 100% true. But what other piece of information is missing? Aha, there's a part of the story that's missing. And that's why we have to be very, very careful. We don't like when people judge us unfavorably. We shouldn't judge others unfavorably. It's an amazing thing that if you look at Abraham, Abraham had this virtue at the highest level of perfection. 
We know there was a terrible city called Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Amorah. What happened with them? God says, oh, there's a, uh, a little town in the eastern part of the state of Israel that uh, I, I'm going to wipe out. God says, no. Abraham says, no, no, you can't. You can't. Maybe there are 50 righteous people there. Maybe there are 50. God says, you know what? Any that's judging, judging them favorably, right? That there are 50 righteous. Maybe if there are 50 righteous, you'll save them. God says, no problem. 50 righteous, I'll save them. Turns out there aren't any. What if there are 40? What if there are 40? Please, Hashem, save them. There are 40. There has to be 40 righteous people in that city. And so on. And we know how the story continues. Abraham couldn't see the negative in another person. Abraham only saw the positive. Every person he saw, he saw goodness in them. Didn't make a difference that they weren't from his culture. We see he served three people that looked like Muslims. Like, right? Oh, he's a Jewish guy. He's the, the founder of monotheism. What are you doing bringing these people in? Don't you know that your children are going to be suffering from Katusha rockets and from all those other rockets from Gaza? What are you bringing them in? Can't. I only see the good in people. I only see the good in people. So that's something to learn from Abraham. We mentioned previously that the second temple was destroyed. Why? Because people couldn't see the positive in other people. They weren't giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's so important to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's amazing that the first book of the Torah, which talks about our patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, the tribes of Israel. That's really what it talks about. What is that book called? Bereshit is called Genesis. It's called Sefer Hayashar. The book of the straight. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. They personified people who were the perfect example of what God wanted in this world. Yes, and always judging favorably. And if you look through the stories, through that lens of judging favorably, you see the incredible virtues, the incredible qualities that they possessed. I want to share with you an amazing story that I think illustrates this in a perfect way. There was this man who was a poor man. His daughter got engaged and he needed money to make a wedding. So he goes to the rabbi. It's a true story. He goes to the rabbi and he says to the rabbi, Rabbi, I need assistance. I don't know how I'm going to pay for my daughter's wedding. I'm so excited. I'm delighted that my daughter's engaged, but I, have no, I don't have the funds to pay for the wedding. So the rabbi says, I'm going to put together a fund, a quiet fund, and we're going to, we're going to help you out. He goes to a few of the people, the members in the synagogue, and they all assist very, very nicely. And he can make a nice, modest wedding for his daughter comes the day of the wedding and everyone walks into the wedding and they can't believe their eyes. Here's this charity case who's a scoundrel. This guy has the most glitzy, beautiful, fancy, dripping wedding they can possibly imagine. I mean, it was dazzled. It was sparkling. You cannot imagine. The food was the best food ever served at a wedding. The, the decor was just top of the line. And people are sickened by this. They're like disgusted. This is what we gave charity for. This is what we went out of our way to, 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 to assist with. They were, they, were, they were just so mad. They were so angry. 
Next day, father of the bride comes to shul and nobody wants to say mazel tov to him. No one wants to talk to him. Here's this cheater, liar. Right, that's what he does. He takes charity money and then makes a five-star wedding for his daughter. What a disgusting human being. A day later, the individual goes to the rabbi and he says to the rabbi, I don't understand what's going on here. Why is everyone so mad at me? And everyone's so, nobody says mazel tov. No one's shaking my hand. Well, did I do something? He says, what do you mean? Did you do something? This is the most disgusting thing we've ever seen. The most disgusting thing we've ever seen. You come and ask for charity and that's the wedding you throw? So now, I'm going to stop the story here. So how would we judge such a person? If this was our neighbor, how would we judge such a person? I bet that most of us would probably be sick into our stomach as well, no? Right? It would be like, what? What type of person is this? What type of person is this makes such a wedding when this is charity money? So let's hear the other side of the story. Let's hear the other side of the story. And this is what he tells the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, you won't believe it. But let me tell you what happened. He says, I went to the caterer to make arrangements for the wedding. And the caterer tells me, here, fill out the application. I fill out the application. And he says, one second, your name is so-and-so. Who is your father? So my father was such-and-such. He says, and where was he from? He says, he was from this and this town in Poland. He says, that's your father? He says, your father saved my father's life. In the Holocaust, your father single-handedly saved my father's life. He says, whatever your budget is, I want to make this wedding for you. This wedding is on me. Give me whatever money you have. You told me that you can't afford a fancy wedding. He says, it's fine. I'm taking care of this wedding. This wedding is my token of appreciation for your father saving my father's life. The man tells the rabbi, he says, when I walked into the wedding, I was embarrassed. I had no idea what he was going to do. Here this caterer went all out to show his gratitude, to show his appreciation. That Shabbos, the rabbi stood up at the pulpit and said, we need to sit, we need to repent for our sin. The entire congregation needs to repent for our sins. We all judge this individual unfavorably, not knowing the story, and he shared the story with everyone. But imagine, imagine had this story not come to the fore. Imagine if the rabbi had not heard of the story. Imagine if the people didn't hear the story. His life would be ruined. For his next child, people will call the neighbors. They're like, not, don't do a wedding with this guy. Don't do a wedding. Don't marry your children to this guy because this guy is, you know, beyond reproach. He's, he's terrible. Terrible. Oh, very good. That's if someone judges the other person favorably. If you know the entire person. But many times people rush to judgment and people, and people like to feel like they know the full story. Don't tell me I was at that wedding. If you would have been at that wedding, you would see, you would see, right? And people like to believe that their perspective is the absolute correct perspective. So 100%, if people would know that this was a humble person, then, you know, everyone likes to believe in, in, in some type of, uh, oh, there's a scandal, there's a something, there's, a, you know, 
And it's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. You know, the end of this Mishnah continues. It says, And acquire for yourself a friend. How do we acquire a friend? By judging them. By finding the benefit of the doubt. By judging them favorably. That's how you acquire a friend. You want to know the tool to acquire good friends? Judge people favorably. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, there are three categories of people. There are people who have a good track record. They're good people. I know them. They've always been good. They've always acted in a way that's more dignified, in a way that's appropriate. Then you have people who have a mixed record. Eh, they mostly do good, but not always do good, you know? And then you have people who have a poor track record. A poor track record. Our sages tell us the people with the good track record, be creative. Be creative. Try to find a story. Come up with a story. I've shared the story with me, my, my own story that I had uh, many years ago. I was in a synagogue on a Friday night. And as many of you know, Friday night in Jerusalem is a very special time because it's like a, everywhere. It's Friday night everywhere is amazing. But in Jerusalem, it's, 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 it's particularly special. And this was right after I was learning the topic of judging people favorably when I was about 15, 16 years old. In yeshiva, we had a class on judging people favorably, and I was determined, that's it, I'm going to judge people favorably. In any event, I'm sitting there in synagogue, and the way it works when you're singing the songs of Shabbos, you know, you can take a little stroll while you're singing, and you know, you're humming, and you're, you're singing along with the chazan. So what did I do? I get up from my seat, and I, I put my sitter on the side, you know, on the by the bookshelves. And I'm like, you know, okay. Turn around for a second. Someone's sitting in my seat. Okay, they didn't realize. Okay. I continue strolling back and forth. And a guy walks in, takes my sitter, walks off. It's not like it's not like the sitter was closed, you know what I mean? The sitter was open right there. It's like what what's so difficult? So I take out a chumish. I take out a chumish and I'm like, okay, this week's Torah portion. I'm going to think of an idea while I'm singing. It's not like I don't know the words of the prayer. We've prayed this, you know, every Friday night since I was uh, four years old. I've been going to shul. I should know the prayers. But either way, it's a jam-packed synagogue. So I open up my chumash at the same spot, and I look at the, at the verse, and I walk back and forth, and sure enough, the guy takes my chumash too. I'm like, and I'm like, did he not see that I was here? That I was like, it's like, you know, it's like people know. Like, you know, the sitter's open. If a chumash is open, someone's in the middle of using it. So I said, you know, we just learned. We just learned. And the Torah tells us, you should judge your fellow with tzedek. With, 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 with the kindness. With tzedek. With, with a... So what am I going to do now? I'm sitting there without my sitter, without my chumash. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to take this example that I've learned of how to judge someone favorably. So here's what you need to understand. And I learned this through that story. If we try this, I'm sure we'll benefit from this. If we try the following, I think it'll work very well for us. Make up a story. Make up a story. And I did. I came up with a story where I said, you know what? This guy probably just came back from the hospital. His wife just had a baby. 
It's all hectic. He's as a baby boy. They're going to have a Sholem Zachar, which is the first Friday night at their at their house, at the, the party that you have the first Friday night after the baby boy is born. And he's all getumult, right? He has, he has, he's all, you know, mixed up. He's all confused, excited, emotional, anxious, happy. And he doesn't even know where he is. He doesn't even know what's going on. And that's my story and I'm sticking with it. Sure enough, a minute after davening, he runs over to the Gabai and he whispers to him something in his ear and the Gabai's like, oh, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, so-and-so had a baby boy and the Shalom Zachar will be tonight at his house at this and this location. Everyone is welcome to join. I was so happy. I was so happy because sometimes, I don't know who this guy is. I never met him before. I have no idea who he is. But we have to assume he's not a bad person. He's not an evil person. Think he wanted to take my seat and take my sitter and take my chumash and take my what he's a bad person? No. He's dealing with something. Come up with a story because many, many times you'll find that the story is right. And Hashem many times will succeed our way in finding out later that the story we made up was a good story. That was the actual story that happened. So imagine if someone went to that wedding. Someone went to that wedding and made up a story. Oh, let me think of a story to judge them favorably. That's the best way to always think positive about other people. If you see a tzaddik sin at night, the Talmud tells us, you see a tzaddik, a righteous person, you see them sin at night, don't suspect them by day, for he certainly repented already. It's the Talmud in, in Tractate Brachot. You can assume he already repented. Why? You know, one of the rituals that we have every single day is, as Jewish people, one of the rituals that we have is to recite every evening. Before we recite the Shema in our bed, there's a special prayer where we ask Almighty God, please forgive us for any sin we may have done. Forgive, forgive us if we did it intentionally, if we did it by mistake. Forgive us if we hurt someone. And if we hurt someone, please, we forgive anybody else and we hope that they forgive us as well. And we go on to this whole ritual. Our sages tell us it's a very important thing for a person to ask forgiveness every night and to forgive every night. And in that way, a person always evaluates what, what have I done? Have I done the right thing? Have I done the wrong thing? Is there something I could have done better today? Is there something that I could have improved in an area that I could have been more righteous? I could have been more thankful. I could have been more gracious. I could have been more kind. I could have been more forgiving. I could have been less judging. Someone's thinking, they're like, you know what? I made a mistake. I sinned. I have to repent. So every night is like a mini Rosh Hashanah, a mini Yom Kippur. It is. Very powerful. Take a stock every night of our day. We're about to end the day. Don't let that day disappear. Take some time to evaluate the day. Someone who evaluates properly will see, I made a mistake. There's a story, one of my favorite stories that happened to me was uh, I went to visit my uncle. On a busy Friday afternoon, my, it was my aunt, it was right before she passed away, she was dealing with many medical issues, 
And I went to visit them. We were in New York for a Shabbos, for a, for a wedding. And uh, we were going to stay there for the summer for a little bit. Said so right, we pulled into to New York, and we're like, oh, we got to go visit my aunt and uncle. And I knew she wasn't, she was, she already was was really not doing well. So I came in. It was Friday afternoon, and it was so hectic there. It was like you know, we came in, we saw that they were busy, and they were, had the doctor on the phone, and the nurse on the phone, and the pharmacy on the phone, and the insurance company on the phone. And there was so much going on, there was so much you know, discussion going back and forth about medications, and 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 it was the changing of the nurses, the shifts. It was just all chaos. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll come back another time. You know, it's okay. Have a good Shabbos. And, and, and we left. A week or two later, things were calmer. I called in advance. I said, is it okay? We come by. We came by. And we said hello to my aunt, but she wasn't really up to having that many guests. But my uncle, while we were saying hello, he set up the dining room table with cakes and cookies and drinks and you name it, candies for the kids, everything. And he insisted that we sit down. I'm like, what, what, what's this whole thing? We just came to say hello. It's, it's okay. You're my aunt and uncle. It's not a big deal. You know, it's like, he says, no, 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 no. He says, you came last time. And I didn't give you the proper attention. And I didn't, I didn't give you the time. You guys came specially. You came to visit. And it was all this chaos going on. And I felt terribly that I didn't, I didn't properly welcome you. So I want you to sit down. And I insisted that I sit down and, and, and drink something and eat something and all the kids have something. Let me ask you a question. You don't think he had something more important on his mind on a Friday afternoon, ready for Shabbos, getting ready for Shabbos, having the doctor, the nurses, the nurses changing shifts, the pharmacy, the insurance company, a sick wife, he had a thousand things on his mind. But when he reviewed his day, he says, my nephew came there and I didn't treat him properly. I didn't even think about it for a second. I didn't even, I'm sorry I came at the wrong time. I felt bad. I shouldn't have come then. I'm sorry. I, you know. No, that's not the way a righteous person thinks. A righteous person thinks I had an opportunity and I didn't maximize that opportunity. Yeah, you have the reasons. That's someone who sees in his review of every day. Maybe I maybe I need to ask forgiveness. Maybe I need to say I'm sorry. And he did he doesn't need to ask forgiveness. He didn't, but he felt that the next opportunity he has, he wants to show an overwhelming act of love and endearment to make up for it. If someone sins, if a righteous person sins at night, you are not allowed to suspect him by day, for he certainly repented. Why? We evaluate the things that we've done. So if you see someone do something and you know they're a righteous person, you can't judge them negatively. You have to assume that they must have, you know, there's a story that's told. Someone went to the rabbi. He said to the rabbi, you have a member in your synagogue who's not a God-fearing Jew. You should probably throw him out of your synagogue. It's a true story. You have a member in your synagogue who's not a God-fearing Jew. You should throw him out. 
So the rabbi's like, oh, take it very seriously. You know, you don't want to have uh, people who are unscrupulous in your in your synagogue, people who are not God-fearing people. Maybe it's, it's, it's it'll rub off on the environment. It'll be uh, a negative influence on other people. What, what did you see that was so terrible? He says, I saw him standing in a street corner in Manhattan eating non-kosher food from one of those stands. He was eating it. And I'm telling you, it was it was intentional. It wasn't by mistake. It was intentional. The rabbi says, I don't accept your judgment. I don't accept your judgment. He says, now we're going to learn how to judge people favorably. And what's if he was a diabetic? And he was going to die if his blood sugar would drop. He's allowed to eat anything to save his life. And the rabbi said, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. And indeed, they went to the man and they asked him, what happened over there in the street corner? We saw you eating. He said, my blood sugar was dangerously low. And it saved his life. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. I know, I know, I see. People are ready to judge. Very bad thing to judge people. Assume good unless you know for certain that it isn't. Always assume good. And if you know for certain that it isn't, you don't know the full story. One who suspects one of bad deeds when they are innocent is punished gravely. Talmud says that if you judge someone mistakenly wrong, my children know this Talmud. It's a Talmud in Tractate Shabbat. My children all the time. If you're Choshed Bikshirim, if someone was innocent, then you judge them negatively. You judge them wrongly. You can have this 10 times a day. I'll give you an example. You stay, we're all here. We're all nice to each other. We're all friendly with one another. We're all loving and kind and giving. So someone asks you, uh, would you like a water? All right, we do that all the time before class. Say, would you like a water? Oh, sure, thank you. They go to the water and they, don't, they go to the, to the fridge and they don't bring you a water. They're like, did they just ask me for water and I didn't, right? And these are things that can happen on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. These are things that can happen, and many people who didn't learn this trait of judging people favorably could become irate. I don't understand. Oh, oh, it's because, oh, you're judging me now. Oh, you think I'm not righteous enough. Oh, you think I'm whatever people come up with, whatever the nonsense is. But the truth is, maybe they didn't hear. Maybe when they asked, they thought you said no. And you really said yes, because you weren't sure. You're going like this. They weren't able to hear. Their, their, their hearing aid wasn't said properly. They couldn't hear. Then you, they saw you go like this. They thought you said no. Whatever it is. So you judge them. Oh, and you go over to them after. You know, that was very wrong. They're like, no, no, no. I wanted to bring you water. But I, or they'll say, I put the water right in front of you. Look, it was right there the whole time. And meanwhile, the whole time you're sitting there, look at that. They didn't bring me a water. And meanwhile, it's sitting right there in front of you. There are many ways that this can be a different story than we had assumed. So now I judge someone wrongly. What do I have to do? The Talmud says you owe them a blessing. Because judging someone negatively is taking away a blessing from them. You have to repay them with a blessing. We have with Eli HaKohen. Eli saw Hannah. She was praying and she was praying so fervently that he by mistakenly judged her wrongly, saying she was drunk. Turns out she was so righteous. So what was the blessing he gave her? 
that she'll have the son. And the son will be so righteous, he was equivalent to Moses and Aaron. Very important to be on the right side of judgment. The best thing is not to judge. But if you're already judging, judge favorably. Be a positive person. Another thing is that if a person is not judging people favorably, it could be a result of arrogance. Where I'm better than other people. I'm I'm right. I'm I'm holier than thou, and it leads to other terrible traits that uh, result in, in 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 anger, can result in in selfishness. It can result in many other terrible things. So the Talmud tells us an amazing story of a landowner in the Galilee who had a worker who was very very loyal very loyal servant. And the servant was working for him on a three-year contract. After three years, he's working his master, and he asks to get paid. This is the Talmud in Shatractate Shabbat, page 127b. It's a story written in the Talmud. And he uh, asks his uh, master, he says, okay, it's time for me to leave. It's been wonderful working here. Three years I've been working. You can get a handsome pay now, right? Uh, three years plus tips, right? And uh, it's time. He's got to go to his family for Rosh Hashanah to be with his family. So he says, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I don't have any money. He says, oh, you don't have any money. Perhaps you have animals. He says, I'm sorry, I don't have any animals. He says, maybe you have some fruit. You can pay me in fruit. I don't have any fruit. He says, do you have any linen, any pillows, blankets, things of value like that? says, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. See, the servant says, okay, you don't have, you don't have, you say you don't have, I'm on my way, I got to go. Goes to Jerusalem where he lives, where his family is waiting for him. After three years, after the holidays, this landowner comes all the way from the Galilee with three donkeys loaded with goods. He goes to the individual who worked for him. And he says to him, when I told you I didn't have money, what did you think? He says, I figured that you probably a good investment came your way and you put all your money in that, in that investment. He says, when I told you that I don't have animals, what did you think? He says, I figured you probably rented out your animals. And now they're not in your possession, they're rented out. He says, when I told you that I didn't have fruits... He says, I figured that you probably gave them as an offering to the temple. And he said that what happened when I told you that I didn't have any linen? He says, I figured that you gave it as a gift, again, to the temple. As, a, as an offering, he says, you are right on each one of those things. I didn't have money. He says, you worked in my field. You knew that I had money. You knew that I had animals. You knew that I had fruits. You knew that I had all these linens. But you also knew who I was. And you knew that this is what opportunities come. And I put my investments in. I put all my money in investment. And I indeed rented out my animals. And my fruits were dedicated already for the offerings of the temple. And the linen was given as a gift to the Kohanim. It says, as a reward, here's your money. But for judging me favorably, here are these three donkeys to add for payment. that were filled with food, with drink, and other goodies for this individual. The power of judging someone favorably. 
He could have gone back to Jerusalem and say, do you know that guy in the Galilee? You know that guy? Don't ever work for him. Don't, don't ever do business with him. Be careful. Oh, watch your pockets when you work with him. Be terrible. Devastating. Devastating. Instead, a person needs to always be judging someone favorably. We know one of the ways that we talked about in the 48 ways was was to sway them positively. Everyone is on a pendulum. Pendulum swings back and forth. But which way is it going to be? In the positive swing or in the negative swing? Says the Mishnah, push them to the positive. Push them to the positive. You know why? Our sages tell us that on Rosh Hashanah, we all are standing on, on the scales. We're all standing on those scales, each one of us independently. God puts our good deeds on one side of the scale and our negative deeds on the other side of the scale. And let's see, is he righteous or not righteous? Let's see, where did his actions line up? If we are in the habit of pushing the scales to always be positive for others, then a heavenly voice says, this is someone who judges people favorably, always pushing the positive scales for others, push it positively for them as well. And if God forbid the opposite is true, we don't, we don't want to talk about that option. But sway them positively, influence people to do good. Influence, you have a power. Every single human being in this world has the ability to influence people either to the good or to the not so good. Let's use the power we have to influence for good. Our sages tell us that you need to be cautious about someone's spiritual state just as you would their physical state. If you would be concerned about someone who's poor, Someone doesn't have money. They're sitting at the street corner. What do I do? Give them something. Your heart cries. And you say, I, I wish I could. Let here, get, take a chocolate bar. Take a drink. Take a cold water. Take something. Don't sit there hungry. Sages tell us the same thing. If you see someone who is depleted of resources spiritually, give them a word of inspiration. Give them a word of enlightenment. Give them a word of encouragement. Elevate them. That's our job. Every person wants to be good. Every person wants to be good. An arrogant person, feel bad for them. Poor guy. Doesn't have a good self-confidence. Has to be arrogant. He needs to show off so that it it covers up for that self-confidence. Something of their goodness is buried there. Every person has something good. We, We discussed this previously. But it comes up here again. Every single human being has something virtuous, something fantastic that they can contribute. But it's buried under something. Got to help them with that. Sometimes our vision is blurred. There's a woman once was talking about her neighbor's laundry that was hanging. It used to be. I remember when we had those string lines, when we had the clothing lines, and you clip all the clothes the lady's looking out to her neighbor's laundry. She says, look how dirty the clothes are. Not realizing it was her window that was dirty. Many times we're judging someone else, not realizing that it's us. It's our lenses that are dirty. It's not their faces that are dirty. It's not their clothes that are dirty. It's not their actions that are dirty. 
it's perhaps our perspective that is flawed. It's our eyes that are off. It's very hard to avoid Lashon Hara if we don't judge people favorably. You don't judge people favorably. It's very easy to get into the next conversation and talk about, oh, did you hear about them? Did you know what they did? Right? And so on and so forth. The power to influence others really relies on our ability to see them in a favorable light. You cannot do something good for someone else if you can't see the good in them. The most important tool for a parent, the most important tool for a teacher is to see the greatness of their children, to see the greatness of the students. Someone who is able to see that their children are awesome, they are amazing, they are fantastic. Same with students. A teacher who doesn't see the virtue of their students cannot be an effective teacher. Cannot, shouldn't be in education. You have to think that you're teaching the next generation of Torah scholars. You're teaching the next generation of leaders. Not the next generation of troublemakers. That needs to be our, our, our uh, goal in life is to always see positive. And by the way, a man who doesn't see the positive in his wife, a wife who doesn't see the positive in her husband, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. You have to be able to see the positive. You know what? Every single person has flaws. But when we fall in love, fall, it's no such thing. But when we're in love, it's because we choose not to look at the negative. Hashem should bless us all that we should always merit to see the positive in others. Always judge people favorably. And always be able to find the good in every person, no matter how rotten they look. No matter how rotten they act, don't judge the person, judge the action. And you can teach yourself and you can teach your children. We don't act in that way. Not don't be like him. Don't act like him. It's a very big distinction. Hashem should bless us all. We should always, our eyes. You know, one of the blessings I love to give people, I actually this morning at Shul, I saw a friend of mine walks into Shul and he has brand new glasses. I said, oh, those are new glasses. He says, oh, you noticed. I said, I want to give you a blessing. You should always see good things. It's a blessing I love to give people. You wear new glasses. Shem should bless you to always see good things. And the truth is, that's the blessing that we all want. We should always see good things in other people. If we, are, if we merit to see the good in others, hopefully others will see the good in us. The Almighty will only judge us favorably. Amen. When you see a situation and you can judge that situation in a positive or negative light, always jump to the positive light. But what happens if you don't have a positive? Oh, I don't know. I just see the guy asking for charity and making a wedding like that. Thank you very much, right? I have no judgment that's positive for that. We don't know. And it doesn't justify the story, but at least it puts it into a little bit of a, of a, of a lens. They probably have a good heart somewhere there. Right, but it doesn't come to the, to the fore when they're in, in in a bad environment. But you never know; they could be terrific moms and terrific uh, daughters. The Torah puts us a high bar and tells us, you know what? Have you ever had a bad day? You did some things that were probably less than uh, 
we have to. The, the Talmud requires us to try to find a way to judge them favorably. I would love to do that exercise here. Maybe tomorrow I, have, I would love to do an exercise of coming up with a story to judge them favorably. Again, I don't judge, I don't say that what they're doing is right. I will never say that. Hurting some another human being is never a good thing. It's never the right thing, ever. But how do how can I help myself see something in the positive light? That's the goal here. Is it possible that we can see something positive in such people who even do such reprehensible act, actions? All right. Well, well, look, evil is evil. We see the Torah says that. But we see that, Mo, that, that Avram says, well, maybe there are still five more. Maybe there are ten more, right? Maybe there are a few more. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a terrific evening. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.